ButcherBox makes it easy and convenient to get the highest quality grass-fed, grass-finished beef, organic free-range chicken, heritage breed pork, and wild-caught seafood without any antibiotics or added hormones delivered straight to your door. For me, I love their ribeye steak with a smoke and reverse sear, their tender belly bacon, which is some of the best uncured bacon on planet Earth. ButcherBox partners with people, small farmers included, that treat their animals in the best possible way and never give any added antibiotics or hormones. When you join, you choose your box and delivery frequency. You can cancel at any time without any penalty, and ButcherBox delivers amazing and fresh meat right to your door in a 100% recyclable box. For a limited time only, get free chicken nuggets for a year and 10% off your first box when you sign up today and use the code WP. That's a 22-ounce bag of gluten-free organic chicken nuggets in every order for a year when you sign up at butcherbox.com forward slash WP and use the code WP. Green smoothies? Dry granola bars? Breakfast shouldn't be this bland. Enjoy a real, flavorful breakfast again with Smithfield bacon, sausage, and anytime favorites, ham. Smithfield Hometown Original Bacon is made by bacon lovers for bacon lovers. Naturally hickory smoked, Smithfield bacon is full of rich and delicious flavor. Made with the highest quality cuts of hand-trimmed pork that are perfectly seasoned, Smithfield Hometown Original Sausage Links will have you drooling for breakfast. Stop hitting the snooze button. Make a breakfast worth waking for with Smithfield. For the love of meat. To learn how to make a meatier, tastier breakfast, check out smithfield.com. Welcome to Western Contours Podcast, sharing experiences, providing insight, and looking for solutions to become better hunters. We talk gear, on and off season preparation, tips and tactics, conservation, and finding inspiration in the outdoors as sportsmen and women. Thank you for joining us as we share our love for all things Western hunting. Hey guys, we caught up with Ryan Lovell. We get into a hunting season of a lifetime, public versus private, and season the opportunity. Enjoy the episode. So we're on with Ryan Lovell. Ryan, thanks for yep. sitting down with us, man, and chopping it up, telling us your story. Uh, we'll get right into it. Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Give us some background. Uh, my name is Ryan. I uh, live in a small town in Oregon. Uh, I've been here my whole life. I'm going on 28 years old. Uh, I just live outside of Salem. Um, man, I mean, I've, I've been hunting my whole life. My dad and his whole family has been into it, which is how I got started. Um, following them in the woods ever since I remember hunting deer and elk and whatever else there was to hunt. Um, I, I would say maybe the last like six, seven years of my new job that I have, um, it's given me the opportunity to be in the woods more doing what I like to do. So I have been able to hunt more animals and more time throughout the year than what I used to. Um, and it's, 
it's just been it's been good. Like the last the last six seven years, like I say, is has been changing for me just because I've had opportunities to go on longer hunts versus only getting a week vacation here or a week here. My job allows me about three to four months off a year. Oh wow! Dang. One trade. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. No, it's it's good. Um, like I say, I mean instead of planning for a hunt for a week long and having to go back to work, I've got the end of September, all of October, November, and December off every year. Oh, nice. wow, man. Wow. So that's opportunity abound. So with, with that type of schedule, um, how are the opportunities in Oregon for you uh, when it comes to that? I, I feel like they're really good. Um, if you're a rifle hunter, especially, uh, I used to archery hunt, but that was back when I wasn't really working that much. I was just out of school. Um, but I, I, like I say, if you're a rifle hunter, I think it gives you lots of opportunities. That's all the fall seasons. You've got deer, you've got elk. Um, and you're, I get, I get two deer tags a year, a landowner tag and a general tag. I can go get either a draw elk tag or an over the counter coast elk tag. I haven't put as much time into elk hunting as I wish I would. I'm more of a, I save my points up and go on a hunt like every three years. I'll buy a coast elk tag, but I don't put the time into it that I should. I've been told that if I put as much time into my elk hunting as I do my deer hunting, I'd kill elk every year. But something about chasing these blacktail is just more fun to me than chasing the elk. You're an anomaly in that, man, right? Because you talk to you talk to most Oregon guys, and I think we've heard you know a bit of the blacktail side of it, but you're definitely an anomaly, man. You start talking Rosies and and coastal Oregon, um, that's that's a big deal. I mean, that's what gets my blood going when we start talking about Oregon and hunting. Yeah, sure. No, I mean, I would love. I've never, honestly, I've never killed a Roosevelt bull. I would love to shoot a Rosie, but there again, I don't put in the time that I should to be successful hunting them. It would be more of an opportunity. I go into an area that I know there's been elk in, but I'm not there enough to know when and exactly what time of year they're in there. And I hear that rosies are, are pretty, pretty weary anyway, man. Just getting up on them is, is rough. They are in the, and the brush over here is thick and I mean, everything makes noise. I mean, it's just, it is what it is. you, there's lots of things going against you when you're hunting those bulls. Now for a non elk hunter, what is a Rosie? <laughs> <laughs> they are a, I, I guess they would say a bigger bodied elk than what you would have like a Rocky mountain bull. Um, they say their horns are smaller, but you can get into some giant Rosies over here too. Um, but their bodies are a lot bigger than the Rocky mountain bulls. Um, but, yeah, I mean, they are, they are, I, I can shoot a spike over, or I could say I could probably shoot a 300 inch bull that's a Rocky and you could shoot a spike over here on the coast. And the bodies would be relatively the same, if not that spikes bigger. Wow. Gotcha. That's pretty amazing. I just like the, I like the challenge of that country there. I mean, it's, you know, yeah. I know probably everybody will hear that and say I'm crazy, but to get into that thick, wet, nasty rainforest type country, man, that has to and be that's, a challenge. Yeah, and I mean that's an over-the-counter tag every year. If you want to buy just a 
a first season coast elk tag, and that's any bowl. That's right. a legal visible antler. Well, depending on the unit, it's more or less a visible antler bull hunt. Um, it's only four days long. Wow. So I think you're hunting a Friday to a Monday, and that's it. Damn. Got to be a lot of people uh, out there. Yeah, there's a lot of people. And like I say, you more or less need to know where you're going to go and where those elk are going to be at. And there's uh, any elk opportunities with the rosy units too, I believe. Well, that that's what I'm saying. Like you can buy a over-the-counter coast elk tag here on the on the coast. And that's a, I don't know about cow. I want to say most of the cow hunts are a draw, more or less a late season tag. And like I say, when you come back to that, it's, I haven't put the time in to know exactly what units are what for elk. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think, cause I've been looking, right. I want to, I want to hit Oregon this year and I've been looking and I could have sworn I saw that it's basically a hair tag. Yeah. And I mean, it could be, I, like I say, I don't know. I know that the Willamette unit, which is a draw is any elk. Um, we have those here. I, I live on property. We get a landowner tag every year for elk. We get two of them actually. Um, and it's more or less an opportunity thing. If they come through and they stick around for a while, maybe one, like I think my dad or my grandpa has the tag. Um, we try to get him on an elk because he's older. Uh, he can't get around as easy. So if it's on our place, it's a little bit easier to get him on something. And it's, it's if they come through. I mean, they came through this year and they were here all the way up until like a month into season and then they were gone. So they, they come and go and it's a, it's a decent sized herd that we have sticking around my place. That's good. It's always nice. I mean, just even if you're not hunting them, but just to have them there and, and just, you know, just get to see them. them and watch them and interact with them to a point. I mean, that's, that's awesome. Yeah. It's pretty cool. I got some pretty good trail camera pictures of them this year. Um, and you usually know when they're here because they strip the trees of all the apples they can reach. So they're all sweet, sweetened up for you. Oh yeah, nice and nice and apple fed. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that, man. So one of the things you and I have been talking a while, and uh, man, your 2018 season, dude, was I don't even know how to describe that. You know, from the <laughs> outside looking in. Um, that was off the off the chain, as they say. I mean, that just yeah. was a crazy season for you, right? Yeah, it was probably my best season I've ever had. And I am so happy with it, the way it all turned out. Um, starting with shooting my first turkey. I had never shot a turkey before. <clears throat> and I ended up getting him. My dad actually called him in for me. And he came from a long ways away. Um, ended up shooting that turkey. Uh, I, I, I get a spring bear tag usually every year and I didn't get a bear, but I had an opportunity at a couple where they were pretty small. Um, and then that goes right into my first deer tag starts September. My second deer tag starts in October and I filled my first deer tag. I think it was like middle of September, like the 11th or something. Um, and that was a four point. I've been trying so hard ever since I started hunting to shoot a four by four black tail with eye guards. And that was the first one I got. And I was so excited. I had, I had pictures of them on cameras and, and it just worked out. I had seen him the weekend prior for like three days in a row, but he was on properties that I had no permission to hunt. And it ended up working out. I think it was like the fourth day and right at daylight, 
one of the bucks that he had been with in the group showed up right in front of my in front of my stand and just shortly after that he did the whole look over your shoulder and behind you and i look and here comes that four point just like just like it was all scripted out about a about 150 yard shot and that was it and i mean that was that's what started it right there was that first four point that i got this year i was so happy with that and then going right into the first week of october i ended up filling my general season blacktail tag with my second four by four no way. <laughs> and he and he was a nice four by four too. I mean, I'm super happy about it. That uh yeah, again, an anomaly, right? I mean it, it, yeah. like, like I said, looking at looking at that season, man, I'm going, Jesus, this guy killed more this year than most dudes do in their entire hunting career. So to have that sorry, go ahead, man. Have there's that, there's a uh, lot of people there's a lot of people that hunt these blacktails that they'll hunt forever and not shoot a four by four like that. And I've done it. I've hunted, I've hunted ever since I was 12, I believe is when you can get your first hunting license by yourself. And I've shot a lot of fork and horns. I've shot three by fours. I've shot just about everything, but a four by four and to shoot two in one year. I was, I was pumped. So where do you go from there on the blacktail? Uh, we went from blacktail to, no, no, no. I'm saying, where do you go from there? So, you you, oh, you set that goal um, for yourself and you knocked it out. You got two four by fours. <laughs> I I don't think that I'll top that. I I wouldn't imagine. Uh, I'll just keep on trying to shoot these mature bucks. It's what I like to shoot now. I mean, I've I've been a little bit more picky. Mm-hmm. I would say probably the last five to seven years, I've gotten a few pieces of property put together that I have hunting rights to, and. I can be more picky on what I shoot. I don't have to shoot the first legal buck that comes by. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, I think that gives you the opportunity to grow these bucks to get bigger. I had, I had pictures of the first four point that I shot this year for, I think the last two years. And he was just a mainframe four point last year. He was a four by four, but he broke one side off and I didn't see him in the daylight until after season. Um, and then day after, and then again, yeah. And then again, this year I got pictures of him. He's a four by four, but he messed up one of his horns in velvet. I would assume it had a big old hole stuck in it. So it was all deformed still a four by four in my book, but, um, that's just, they, uh, I don't even know where to go from there. I mean, there's no way I can top it. Yeah. Now you're going to have to get crazy atypical versus typical and start going down those roads. <laughs> Man, I, don't, I know there's some, I know there's some funky bucks out there with some drop tines and stuff on one of the pieces of property, but I haven't ever seen one in person. Um, I've got a shed off of one. He's got about a three or four inch drop on one side. I don't know if he's still around, but I would assume the blood pool is still around. Yeah. That'd be cool to, to hang that next to the uh, two from this year, man. Huh? yeah absolutely all right i'm sorry for that so so the blacktail so you had two four buys yeah and then i went from there to i believe my next hunt i think i i elk hunted here on the coast and like i say i went into where i wanted to hunt the elk had been there the last couple days but they they were in there in the morning i snuck in but the wind really messed me up and chased them out and once you chase them out of there they won't come back for a couple days and in a four-day long season, they're pretty much gone. Yeah, you're so I didn't really put a ton of time into it. I had to go back to work for like one of the two days of the week. 
So I hunted the Saturday, Sunday and went back to work on Monday. Um, which kind of cut the hunt a little bit short, but that is what it is. Like I say, I don't put a ton of time into the elk hunting like I should. Um, then from, from the Oregon elk hunting here, I drove to Colorado for a Buffalo hunt and ended up shooting a, a big bull. He was, oh shoot, he was huge. I don't know. They, they say he was around 1,700, 1,600 pounds. Ooh, man. And then while I was there, ended up being able to shoot an elk also and ended up with a real nice six by seven bull. So I had a truck full of meat on the way back home. I'd say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was a lot of work. It was a lot of cutting and wrapping for the next week and a half when we got back. Yeah, that's some freezer space, man. You got a couple of deep freezes going on there. I mean, shoot, what did you net on that buffalo? Oh, I want to say it was around 500 pounds. So I bought a chest freezer just for my buffalo, and then I already had a stand-up freezer to put everything else in. So Colorado. Yeah. And then... And then I think I came back, I had a fall turkey tag, which was more of an opportunity thing. I wasn't really trying super hard to fill it, but I ended up getting on a small jake uh, towards the end of season. And that ended up filling my last tag for Oregon. I still, I still had a fall black bear tag, but again, that's something that I don't get to put a ton of time into because that's during my prime blacktail hunting usually. And these bears around here, they're still out in the fall. I've just never, I've never hunted them a whole lot in the fall. So I don't, I don't know exactly where to start looking for them, what their patterns are that time of year. So it's a little different for me. And I think I closed the season with a bear and a turkey or a bear and a cougar tag in my pocket still, just because these cougars here in Oregon, it's an opportunity thing. Also, you can't hunt them with dogs. You can't hunt them how they should be hunted, I guess. It's just if you see them, you see them. If you don't, you don't. Yeah, at least you guys still have it there. We don't. They, they, we have zero, zero cougar hunting here in the state, and uh, they banned bear hunting with hounds. Uh, I want to say five or six years ago. So that's made wow. it a bit more difficult here too. Yeah, see, it's it's the same. Other than we can still hunt them, you just can't use you can't bait bears, you can't use dogs, and you can't use dogs for cougars. So. It's headed down the same path you guys are. Yeah, that's uh, it's unfortunate too. I mean, there there's so many cougars. I mean, they say that we reached our quota this last year, so they closed season early. But I mean, there's so many cougars, so I don't understand how they can do it. Yeah, well, I may be re-examining the quota number, right? I mean, as that population <laughs> yeah. of cougars increases, are they doing anything to examine how that's affecting the numbers? Yeah, man, I don't quota. know. You know, I mean, here they banned it, and uh, man, there's areas you go into, and there's there's cats running in packs here, man. Yeah, I mean, it's it's the same thing here. It's kind of <laughs> as far as I'm concerned, man. That's uh, that unravels my nerves a bit if I'm in an area where you know people are seeing them running together. Yeah, I mean, it's the same thing here. A lot of times, I I've heard people say if you see them, there's usually more than one. I've got a buddy of mine that ended up shooting a cougar this last year. And it was with another one that they had seen. So, I mean, that's two that they saw. I mean, it could have been with more. It's hard to say. 
but I think typically here they're also with either a couple of them or another pair at least. No, thank you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm good. Yeah, no, thank you. There's some guys that I, I really don't care about them. I, I like to see them as long as they're in front of me. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, to, to know that they're in the area running in groups, man, I think I can deal with, you know, well, I guess dealing with one, if you don't see them, you're in trouble anyway, but yeah, pretty much five of them. Nah, you could, you could yeah. keep it. I'll, I'll leave that to the guys with the, with the big, with the big steel ones. It's not for me. <laughs> yeah. So you were down in California as well, right? With a pig hunt. Oh yeah. I, I try to go down there every year. Um, we try to schedule at the beginning of the year just to kick off the, the hunting season for us. And it puts a little bit more meat in the freezer. I had a few issues down there with rifle slash ammo, I guess you could say. I got on a couple pretty good sized pigs. My dad both my dad killed one and my buddy Kyle, they both killed a pig. Um and I I had opportunities at them, but it just wasn't in my favor. I had a I had a rough start to the season, that's for sure. Yeah. Well that was crazy, man, when you, you sent me that. Um how many misfires? I think it was three and then one of those three, I tried striking it like three times with my, I shoot a single shot, 300. It's a Thompson center. So I tried to strike it more than once. Maybe it was just a light strike or something, but it just wasn't working. And then when I finally threw that last round down the tube and pulled the hammer back and shot at that pig, I was shooting like a foot and a half high. And I don't know where it happened because I shot the week before we left with that ammo, same box of ammo. And I was dead on at 200 yards. So I was saying, well, this is going to work perfect. These pigs usually aren't that far away. So dead on at 200, and I get down there, I'm shooting a foot and a half high. So somewhere between home and California, my rifle got off, and everything just went to crap. I mean, between the ammo and and getting on probably the biggest pig I've ever seen, a great big boar, and pulling the hammer back, and all you hear is a click. I mean, it was just, it was disappointing. Tony was sitting next to me, and Tony couldn't believe it either. I mean just misfire after misfire. Yeah, that's crazy. And it just, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm hoping, I've still got a tag. Tag is valid till June. I'm hoping to be able to make it back down there before season's over just to see if I can't fill that tag. I, I have a little bit of time to where I could run down on a weekend and make a one or a two-day hunt out of it. Um, and I got in contact with, I was shooting Barnes Ammo. I got in contact with them. They wanted me to send them the misfires. And I, I emailed him back. I was like, I don't have that ammo to send you back. I said, I wasn't going to carry around around in my pocket that had already been struck by a, by my hammer. Mm -hmm. So I just shoved them in the dirt down there and they're like, Oh, okay. Well, well, I don't know. Then it took them like a week to email me back and they ended up sending me a new box of ammo. Pretty heavy box too. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's still just frustrating. Cause it's like, I don't, I, I don't know if it was the gun. I don't know if it was ammo. I've never had a misfire on that rifle until then. And that's and, a solid rifle, man. Because I we talked about it, and I and I shoot the same, um, <clears throat> not the same caliber, but that that TC. And yeah, uh, I've had that thing forever, man. And it is, it's rock solid. Well, I mean, you look at everything I've killed. Everything I've killed in my pictures, except for the turkeys, is with the same rifle. And the only reason that I changed the ammo was because you can't have lead in California, so. I, I switched to that Barnes ammo 
and now my rifle's upstairs. I don't even want to look at it because I got to get it sighted back in for Acubons. And I got season coming up, I guess, and I need to get it all sighted back in. But we'll see what happens with that. I don't. I, I'll get it back on paper and back shooting good. But I have a different rifle. I'm going to try to hunt with this year. I mean, considering made, considering the size of the box they sent you, um, why not just stick with the copper for a bit? Since you're already sighted in with it, or are you just kind of over it because of that experience? I'm pretty over it, and I'm not really, I'm not really sold yet that that copper ammunition is the best stuff to kill animals with. I feel like it doesn't expand properly, and maybe I'm, maybe I'm just thinking that way because I'm so used to these acubons and everything I shoot with them, they die. But I've had really good luck with acubons, and unless I have to switch to that copper. I'm probably not going to do it. Yeah, it it definitely is a bit different than the lead. It and I've seen it. So on my animal, on my buck this year, um, probably the smallest exit wound I've ever seen. I mean, you're talking two inch. Even last year, that buck I shot up north, um, tiny little exit wound. So I don't think it expands as much, but they are making some pretty good advancements with it. Um, yeah, that's been around for probably in the realm of eight years now. And, uh, I, as soon as they said we were going to have to do it, our, one of our home ranges in that condor range is, is, was affected by it. So I made the switch right away. Um, and I, I think it has something to do with, you know, it just not responding like the lead. Um, and then sure. I've been shooting my, my seven mil a lot. Seven mag. Yeah. So on the seven, on the seven mag, um, I think it's just at those higher velocities. It's just not given a chance to expand, especially in some of the smaller bodied game, um, that yeah. we're seeing down here. But for the most part, it seems to perform well, uh, both my Thompson and then I have a Browning that I shoot. They both seem to like it in 30 out six and the seven. So, yeah, the, the first, the first thing I did when I got back, I, got online and I actually ordered some of the Nosler brand copper or lead free ammo, the E tips. And I loaded a bunch of those up at different grains and I bought with some one eighties and I loaded a bunch of them up myself and I'm actually going to try to get them to shoot out of my Christensen arms. Um, and I, that's the rifle that I would, I would like to be able to hunt with. I've just had such issues trying to get it all dialed in, finding what it likes. So I've got like 50 or 60 rounds loaded up with those 180s and I'm going to see if I can get them to shoot out of there. And if I can get them to shoot, then I will just end up using that rifle versus my Thompson again. That's the plan anyways. And we'll see how it goes. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it, I mean, it, it is frustrating. Like with the seven mil, you know, I can take that, take it out about 500 yards. Um, and the potential with that round and that rifle is well beyond that, but man, it, it's, that learning curve. And then if you're reloading, you know, pressing your own yeah. rounds and having the time to dial up something really well that the rifle likes, it's something else, man. Yeah, absolutely. Eat up hours. So, um, so you said you have some, some land that, you know, you have permission to hunt on. Um, I believe your bison hunt was on, was on private. And that's one of the things that we've talked about. And, uh, it always kind of strikes me and and to a point I get it right but there's kind of a stigma at times that we place on guys that you know hunt private versus public or guided versus unguided um there's challenges in all of it right now I can sure. see if you know 
if you got a feeder that's spitting out corn or something, you know, every 30 minutes, but if that's how you hunt, that's how you hunt. Right. I, I, <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know. I don't know that we should be talking down on a hunter. Right. I mean, we have it, we have it hard enough. Um, but then as a community, we beat each other up. What give us your, give us your stance on all that, man. Public versus private guided versus unguided challenges, perceptions, all that stuff. Hit us with it. I feel like as a hunter, if if you're having fun in the woods hunting, whether you're on private or public, if you're having fun doing it, just keep on doing what you're doing. If people are going to talk crap about it and be mad, say you're on a guided hunt somewhere and then you turn around and come back from that hunt and someone's like, well, yeah, you killed something because you were being guided by someone that knows what they're doing. Yeah, but I guess I've, I've done both. I've done private. I hunt private every year. I've hunted public. But if I don't have to hunt the public and fight everybody else, I'm not going to do it because I can just do it on these pieces of private that I have permission to hunt. And I don't have to compete with all these other people. And I'm still having fun doing what I love to do. Yeah, the private doesn't have the pressure, but you're not hunting a tame deer. You're still hunting a wild deer that can leave this property whenever it wants. So I've had lots of people say, you're hunting a tame animal, you're hunting someone's pet. I'm not hunting anyone's pet. People aren't out here petting these animals while I'm hunting. But it's just, it's frustrating sometimes because like you say, people talk down on everyone about doing it. But if they were given the opportunity to go like my buffalo, I was given the opportunity to go on this buffalo hunt and it was on a big 3,000 acre high fence ranch. I don't care that it was high fence. I've always wanted to hunt a buffalo. I wanted the experience of being next to that animal and taking one with my rifle. And it was everything I wanted it to be. Some, If someone else was given that opportunity to go do what I did, they wouldn't just look at you and say, no, I'm not doing that because it's high fence. I mean, I feel like everybody would want to go hunt a bison. A bison. Hell yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I, there, buddy. Sign me up. <laughs> yeah. So it's like, it's frustrating when someone talks so much crap about it, but I feel like a lot of it's just jealousy. I, I've had people, like you say, I mean, I've had people say, well, you're on a high fence ranch. They can't get away from you, blah, blah, blah. I know they can't get away, but it was still a hunt. I still had fun doing it. And I think anybody would. It, I don't even know. I don't know someone, so I can't really exactly say the opportunity that I had to go shoot this bison, but it wasn't, it wasn't, uh, just handed to me. It was kind of a, here, come do this on my ranch. Um, we'll work out a deal on this bison hut and bring your dad with you. My dad was there along the side. That was one of the things that made it so much fun. Was he was there with me and he got to experience it right there next to me during all this. So then when I turn around and come back, I post pictures about it. People are like, well, you're just hunting on some high fence ranch. So it wasn't even that fun, but it was, I mean, it was fun making those memories with my dad. It was fun being next to those animals. And I met people that I'm probably going to return and hunt with them again. So it's, there is lots of people talking like they don't want to hunt private. 
but I don't understand why you wouldn't want to hunt private. I had people straight up tell me me hunting private isn't a challenge, but I think if anybody had, I don't know what it is. I have, I've got like three decent sized pieces of private property that I have hunting rights to. And I can choose between each one of those, which one I want to go to that day. And I think if anybody else had the opportunity to have those three pieces to hunt, they wouldn't go hunt public. Heck no. They would go and hunt these pieces of property. So for someone to talk so much crap about not wanting to hunt on private, I don't really understand it. Like, I don't know, like, like I said, I don't know if it's just a jealousy thing or if it's a pride thing, but anybody given the opportunity to go hunt a buffalo on a private ranch or go hunt these deer on this private piece of property if you want. I mean, why would they say no to that? Yeah, that yeah. That, that doesn't make any sense. And I mean, what what are the bison hunting opportunities, right? The, the majority yeah, of them are private. Yeah, and there's there are very few that are still free range. There is a free range bison hunt you can do if you get with the right guy. Um, there is a free one you can do, or free range bison in Montana, and I believe the Henry Mountains. Um, so there's a couple of them you can still do, but I can't afford to do those. If I was going to go, I want to say it's upwards of 10 grand to hunt one in the Henry Mountains. And I can't afford that. Yeah. So if so, you get an opportunity, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah, I, that's a, that's a rough one, man. And, you know, as far as pressure, I mean, that's one of the things, right? Even if you look at, you know, um, backcountry thing, we, we, are you know chopping up and and talking so much about lately you know yeah. the the point of that is to get away from the pressure right i think it's just sure. opportunity you know whether it's public or private i mean 3000 acres um is 3000 acres right yeah absolutely unless you're standing there and you know you got a game trail that's running right along the edge of that high fence, that high fence really <laughs> doesn't do anything on 3000 acres. Now, if you're talking yeah. a couple hundred acres, 30 acres or something like that, then yeah, I, I get it. I, I yeah. just don't, I guess what puzzles me more than anything is the fact that as a, as a community with all the opposition that we see that we're willing to belittle someone else's experience, um, not even because ours is better. Because they don't have the yeah. opportunity. Well, I, I mean, I, I just don't. And I think that. that's most of it. I think a lot of it is not having that opportunity. And it, I don't know if it's a jealousy thing or what, but that's what it seems like to me, at least. Crazy. I, I mean, mean, I had an opportunity to hunt Catalina Island this year. And Catalina used to be, well, it still is uh, one of our zones. But now the Island Conservancy runs the hunts. So unless you're a resident and you're hunting with a resident, uh, you have to go over there with the guide service that they hire um, to take care of the management of that herd on that island. Uh, there was no way in the world that I was going to pass up on that hunt um, because it was with a guide. I mean, absolutely no way I was going to do that. Sure. Right? It's, yeah. That was a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. And, and like you said, those hunts are pricey, man. This is a conservancy yeah. hunt on an island that's 27, 26 miles long by nine wide. There's not many guys that are, you know, going to go drop the coin to go hunt that. And yeah. I wasn't, no way I was going to pass it up. Some of the best deer I've ever seen in the state live on that island. I mean, just amazing animals, man. And I had a blast. I didn't care 
if if I had, you know, Ben or Tom right there with me, it didn't matter. Yeah, because you were having fun doing it. Yeah. And and you know what's funny is that's you know, I went through I went through four rounds trying to shoot that deer. <laughs> <laughs> so it didn't make it any easier or any harder. We still had to go find the deer. You know, I still had to to get within, you know, my effective range. Uh, and I still had to pull the trigger. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, that that whole ah man, that that community argument, if you will, just it just drives me crazy, man. And I've I've hunted and I've hunted both. I've I've killed animals on public, I've killed animals on private, and I've killed animals on high fence. So I guess I've hunted all of them. And I had just as much fun on every one of them. I mean, I I wouldn't I wouldn't give it up for anything. I mean, I don't look back and say, well, that wasn't worth it because I had fun doing it. And my dad had fun being there alongside of me in Colorado. It was, it was something I would never regret doing. I mean, if someone's going to talk crap about it, that is what it is. It's not their hunt. And I'm not doing it to make them happy, which is the biggest thing. So contrast it, right? So, so for the guys that, that think it's so much easier, give us some contrast between the two. I mean, they, I know that they, both hold value in the experience, right? And like you said, it's doing what you love. You're hunting. It doesn't matter if you're you're packing into the mountains of Colorado or a, or you know the plains of Nebraska, um, you know, or a farm up by where you're at. You know, give us yeah. a contrast on it and how. What what are the biggest differences you see outside of the pressure? Oh, uh, I mean, the biggest difference is I feel like you you do have that opportunity to see more bucks and you can be more picky. I get that part. Um, but I mean, there's, there's so much you can do on the private versus public. You can, you don't have to worry about a car driving up on you and ruining your hunt for you. I get that. That being private property, you're more or less the only one on it. I mean, there, there's more opportunity. I would say, on these pieces of properties that I'm hunting just because I'm the one that's managing more or less what's getting shot on it versus a piece of private that I would drive to up from my house. I might have six or seven trucks drive past me before I even get to a place I want to hunt or you can be hiking and these trucks will drive out park and they'll start hiking right next to you on the same property. But it's all how much work you put into it. I feel mm-hmm. so if you put in public, yeah, you put in you put in the work on private, you put in the work on public. If you put in the time, you'll be successful. So it, it is it's what you make of it. If if you want to put the work into it to kill stuff on on public land, you can. And if you put the work into it on your private properties, you can make it to where you can kill stuff on there that's more or less every year. I I like being able which people will probably talk down on it. I like being able to look at a, a decent sized three point buck on these private piece of properties I'm hunting and say, I think I'm going to let him go maybe one or two more years and coming back and seeing what he turns into. And part of that is when I run my trail cameras, I get pictures of a lot of these bucks over numerous years, like three years in a row. It's fun to watch them grow. Part, part of what I do just having fun is just checking my cameras you never know what you're going to get on your picture when you're checking your trail cameras. And I've got, I've got cameras on public land too. I mean, it's fun to go up there and check those and see what's on it. See a deer and elk and bear and whatever else might walk by. 
So, so it, just, I, it really boils down to the time you're putting into it, you know, and I, I, go ahead. I'm sorry. I, I feel like that's a lot of it. It's, it's the amount of time that you want to spend in the woods to be successful. So you can go, I mean, you can go to a, a track of public land that is, you know, pretty much landlocked by private um, and guys are chomping at the bit to get into those areas, you know, walk-in areas, things like that. I mean, what makes that any different than, you know, hunting the actual private? To, in my my opinion, there's no difference. No, there's a lot of similarities, I would feel. You're hoping that he jumps that fence line. I mean. Yeah, and I, if you I, got guys pressuring it, then they're going to pressure him right over to you. I mean, I I don't, I will admit, I don't hunt a lot of public land because I really don't, don't I don't have to. And <laughs> I'm not afraid to, to our stress. <laughs> yeah. I'm not afraid to say it because I'm having fun doing it. I don't care if you don't like my picture I post on Instagram. It doesn't matter to me. And if you want to talk crap about it, that's fine. I had fun doing it and it's my picture. If you don't like it, don't like it. And, and I'm going to go right back to it, right? Because I want to drive this home as a community, right? We're already up against it. Our numbers, we're outnumbered uh, a million to one. It was probably yeah. worse than that, right? So for us yeah. to pick and choose and and basically hate on a guy that's doing something that, you know, we're either we're not able to do or, you know, we think less of it. I Yeah, that, that boggles my mind, dude. I, I think we need to be you know, and it, it sounds so cliche, right? We need to band together. We need to stand together, but we really do. If we're fighting each other, if we're our own worst enemy, we're never going to gain any ground with the real opposition. No, because like I said before, if that same guy that was talking crap about the public or the private land buck that I just shot, if I was like, Hey, do you want to come hunt this 600 acre piece of property this year? This let's private one I have. Yeah. He'd be like, yeah, let's do it this next year. Yeah. He wouldn't even hesitate. Oh, he wouldn't, he wouldn't want to wait till next year. He'd be trying to, <laughs> yeah. he'd be beating on your door the next day. Yeah. He'd be texting me and say, Hey, let's go hunt. Let's go hunt. Let's do this. It's like, it, it's just what it is though. I mean, they will talk crap about it, but if you gave them the opportunity, they would jump all over it. And anybody that says they wouldn't, man, I'm going to have to. I don't, I wouldn't. Yeah. I wouldn't buy it. Yeah. I don't, <laughs> not at all. Not at all. <laughs> no. I just, again, man, I, you know, and I'm going to beat that dead horse, but I, I just think it's crazy. I'm looking at the pictures. That's the last freaking thing on my mind. When, when I'm looking at your post or you're sending me pictures, <laughs> the last thing on my mind is whether or not they were public or private. I'm going, <laughs> you bastard. <laughs> yeah. It, it <laughs> you know was I mean? still cool. Right. Yeah. You bastard. Yeah. Look at the season this guy has had. Tony, have you seen his season? Uh-uh. Get on, get on uh, this thing there, man, and check that out. There's a post where he has just about every animal from this year. That was, that, I mean, you want to talk about something that didn't even cross my mind? I was cussing you because I was like, man, I thought I did good. <laughs> no, it, was, it was awesome. Like I say, it's going to be a tough one to top. I've got, I've got hunts for this year planned already that are going to be awesome. I'm pretty excited about yeah, I don't know how you beat that that year though, man. I, that I don't crazy. think I will be able to beat that for a while. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was it was definitely a good one and I've got lots of meat in the freezers from it and that's one thing I'm super thankful for. It saves a bit of money. I mean, I guess I 
don't save a lot of money on hunting gear and stuff, but <laughs> I was going to check you on that one because by yeah. the time you make those drives down here into Colorado and yeah, yeah. That, no, those were some long drives. That's for yeah. sure. I mean, you, you know, people always say, Oh, it's meat in the freezer, this, that, you know, yeah, it's all yeah, good. But- we're out there doing it because we really love it. The meat in the freezer is a bonus, but man, it, doesn't, <laughs> it ain't any cheaper. I think I can save some money by going down to the butcher. Yeah. After you figure, after you figure a, 19 hour drive to Colorado, a 19 hour drive back, and a 10 hour drive to California. Ten hour drive. All the money I spent on diesel in my pickup, I could buy a lot of beef for that. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But they don't, yeah. it doesn't taste as good, man, as that experience does. No, it's it's not as good. Yeah, that's the best seasoning. The best seasoning <laughs> for that meat, man, is the experience <laughs> and getting out there and, you know, sharing those times with your dad. And, you know, you had to, uh, you had sent me the video with uh, when you guys were butchering and you got your little girl helping. And I mean, you can't, oh, yeah. you can't replace that stuff, man. Yeah. It's, it's, it's pretty cool. I, I have a lot of fun doing that. And I think just my dad being able to go on that trip. I mean, he had so much fun and he talks about it still. And that's what was cool to me. was just being able to bring him and the owner of the place was like, Hey, he's like, you can bring it, bring your dad with you. Don't worry about paying any extra or anything like that. He's like, just bring it with you. We'll make it all square after you take off from, from our ranch. And I was like, all right. So we just jumped in the pickup. And we took off driving. And you know what? That That's the, the cool part about it, right? So you're 19 hours on the road there, 19 back. Those are, I mean, outside of the hunt, right? The time with, with pops yeah. on the road like that. There's memories and all that stuff, man. That, that Oh, stuff, yeah. You know what I mean? You'll get to tell your kids and your grandkids, you know. Um, that's value dude that is value right there yeah we get to pick on each other the whole way there and the whole way back on who's driving best and who's driving worst and stay on the road and get back over here it was you know we always got to pick on each other how much how much mess did he give you uh after that pig hunt down here oh i i don't think that he was really picking on me a whole lot i think he knew that i was more frustrated than anything because Typically, whatever I aim at with that freaking rifle kills it, and it just it just didn't come together for me. But I mean, that's that's hunting. That's that is what it is. That's that's why we do it. You go for the experience, whether you come home with something in your freezer or not. Um, I mean, I'm going to admit that I am a little frustrated about it because I had opportunities to kill stuff, and it just didn't work out. I mean, they didn't give me a bunch of crap because they knew I was frustrated. But I mean, I think that's anybody would be. Yeah, that's some good people because I would have given you an earful. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm not. I'm not saying they didn't give me crap because they they definitely said, "Well, I killed a pig." Yeah. Well, yeah, I know you did. Thanks I'll, for telling me about it. I'll give you some belly and some chops, man. But uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So at least I, I know where their freezers are, so I can go down there and steal down there whenever I want. Yeah. Well, with the stockpile of meat you have, I'm sure <laughs> that uh, there's some no horse trading. Yeah. 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 No kidding. (laughs) So let's talk a little bit about that community thing again. And and I'll let you get as deep into this one as you want to. Um, So you had, you had booked a a bison hunt um, with the gentleman and we're kind of led astray and taken advantage of. And the reason that I want to chop on that is I look at, so there's, it's kind of a, a twofold thing for me. So you hear a lot of that, right, with people having bad experiences with guide services. Um, and some of these hunts, that's just the way it is, um, where you're using a guide. If you don't have an opportunity to go, 
you know, scout an area or you don't have a available opportunity without a guide, but then yeah. a guide, chances are that that dude is a hunter, right? So it goes back to that community thing. Um, and us being our own worst enemy, um, you want to get into that whole deal? Sure. Um, I, I ended up, I want to say it was like December of 2017. I got in, to- got in contact with a guy about a hunt in Montana for a free range bison. And I ended up giving him a deposit down to hold the hunt for the following year for 2018. And that was, it was a bit of money. It was, we don't need to talk about that, I guess. I, uh, I gave him some money for a deposit. And as we get closer to the hunt, I get in contact with this guy and I'm waiting. It's been like a month and a half or so. And, you know, I'm waiting for a contract in the mail. Like typically you put a deposit on a hunt. The outfitter will send you a, a contract signed with their name on it. You sign it. They usually send you two copies and they send you one back with their signature or however they have that coordinated. And he was just, well, I'm really low key. I don't want to make contracts. He's like, I'm usually just a word of mouth guy. And I was like, man, I said, I'm sending you quite a bit of money. I don't make a ton of money. So I, w- I don't want to be out in this money. So I want to kind of guarantee that this hunt's actually happening. So he ended up sending me a contract signed and dated with my signature, his signature. And then after I sent it back, I mean, you've got to figure I've got seven or eight months or so before the hunt even happened. I think it was planned for July, um, which they say that's like when their rut is for these bison. And closer and closer to the hunt, I got like two weeks before the hunt happens and I can't get a hold of this guy. Just he will not talk to me. So I end up finally getting a hold of him and he was very short, never sent me a copy of my contract back, just pictures of, of him holding it. Mm-hmm. And oh. I was like, yeah, exactly. So I, I get kind of pissed off and I just went straight to the source. I called the fishing game that operates where the place was that I was going to be hunting. And I asked them if, Hey, is this guy still running an outfitter on your guys's property? And they just laughed and said, no. And so that's, you got to figure I'm two weeks from my hunt when I'm supposed to be leaving. I just bought a 400 and something dollar chest freezer to put this Buffalo in that I was going to kill. And I'm two weeks from this hunt and I'm out this money. I can't get a hold of the guy. So the only thing I can do is just kind of throw it under the rug and say, well, that hunt's not happening because I can't get a hold of him anymore to talk to me. And he, that he had actually come up to me in, in messages and he told me, Hey, bring a couple of these like knife blades, replaceable knife blades they use to give their, their guides, their helpers to help the guide like skin and stuff. So you can just kind of give them as a gift. Like, here you go, take a couple packages of blades. So he actually gave me a list of stuff that I should buy. That was fairly inexpensive to give out to these guys just for they, Hey, thanks for helping, whatever. He went as far as that. And then he told me my room was booked for a hotel there in Montana I actually called the hotel to see if my room was booked. He'd never contacted him about a room being booked to go hunt. And that's when it all fell apart. And I was like, all right, well, I guess I'm out that money. And the only way to go about it to get your money back, you can't go after, you can't go with a game cop because a game cop has no jurisdiction to prosecute on a game, on an Indian reservation. So at the moment I am still fighting to get my money back and it's all been turned over to 
I guess FBI to help me try to get it back. I mean, I don't, I don't know if I'll ever get it back. I hope I do. He's told me after they contacted him, he told me that he'll be giving it back, but it's going to be in payments. And then after that, I never heard from him again. So it's a little frustrating. And that's, that's when about that time is when I got a hold of a buddy of mine, Cody Draper. And he actually hooked me up with the guy I actually went and hunted my Buffalo on. He felt pretty bad, which was kind of, kind of the, the, Hey, let's just, make this happen for you and we'll talk about it later attitude he gave me Mm -hmm. and we just made the hunt happen and we made it right at the end that's awesome so the whole outfitter and the whole outfitter not wanting to cooperate with contract and actually sending a contract across state lines things like that like i don't know the whole laws on that like if he can get prosecuted for sending a contract across state lines and receiving money across state lines at that Mm -hmm. has to be some level of some kind of fraud there, man. I would assume. And that's why, I mean, I, I've got it turned over the best I can and we'll see what happens with it. The guy is still active on Facebook all the time. And I don't know. I mean, as, he's had as a guide, not as a guide, okay. but just still active, but still won't return it in my messages. He reads them and then just blows it off. But I mean, at the moment, at the time that I had contacted him before, it still said as a guide. And then shortly after he got contacted by the guy I turned it over to all of his headline and stuff changed. So we'll see what happens there, I guess. I mean, it's just a frustrating deal because I don't make a ton of money to be able to just throw it around like that. Well, and, I, it was, and I've looked at them and those bison hunts, man, they're, they're not cheap. No, they're not. And it was just, it was just something that it comes back to those bison are something I'm so I really like the animal and I've always wanted to experience the hunt of a bison. So I was willing to take the risk of spending that amount of money versus even though I know I shouldn't, it was going to be an experience I would never forget. And I would rather have that experience than the money, I guess you would say. Right. Right. It's that bucket list, man. If you don't take those kind of opportunities when, when you have the chance I mean, yeah. yeah, that's just regret down the road, you know, I mean, yeah. look at, you know, 65, 70 years old and maybe you're not, you know, physically able to, uh, yeah. you know what I mean? That's just regret. So it's grabbing a hold of that stuff, man. And, you know, you live once we, we gotta go, we gotta go take, you know, we gotta go do that stuff. Yeah. I mean, it, it sucks that the first time that I do try to do it, that I get screwed over and the guy takes my money. I get that. So, so my point to it was, and I, and I'm sorry you went through that. Not that that helps it at all. And I hope yeah, you know, that's all right. that he gets what he, he has deserves, coming to yeah. him, but sure. that guy is probably a hunter, dude. That's probably yeah. how he started out. And to think again, that we're so we're, we're just willing to kill each other, you know, for the lack of a better word. I mean, I, that just puzzles me. Right. I mean, if you're in the woods, you know how passionate hunters are. Right. And there's very few guys um, that that really fit that, you know, bloodthirsty narrative. And I'm sure that they're out there, you know, somewhere in the backwoods of, of wherever you're at. But for the most part, man, it's about the experience, like you said, and being passionate about hunting, um, the obsession with the animal at times. So to think that that guy knows how it feels and to do something like that is just 
mind-boggling, dude. Mind. Yeah, and and who knows how many other people it happened to? Right. Um, I it could have happened to others. And when I actually contacted the people asking about it, they're like, "Wow, we have no idea. We didn't know he was doing this." And I don't know if I was the only one that actually looked into it to see what was happening, or if he's got other people's deposits and they just didn't think anything about it. But or they just wrote I it mean, off like you were yeah, to do it front. Yeah, they're just like, oh, no big deal. I guess I'm out my deposit. But I'm not that kind of guy. Like, I work for my money. And him taking my money was just, it was just a slap in the face. It sucks. And, and I mean, even that guy. You, you found him on Facebook? I found him on Facebook, but he had done hunts prior with even like Brian Wakefield. Or Hatfield, sorry. Brian Hatfield from uh, from the Western Hunter. So you're talking fairly big name people on the, on the, on the hunts he's with, and they're on TV, they're on YouTube, they're all over the place. And it's not just him, but I mean, there was an article about the actual bison hunt in one of the Western hunter magazines on that property. So I was thinking, well, this is probably pretty legit because he's actually advertising as an outfitter and he's the one that guided this guy. So when he sent me a price sheet on what things cost, I was like, yeah, I'll do it. So you had, you had actually done some, some vetting. Yeah. 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 So, I mean, I knew of prior people that had hunted on the property. So I was thinking, well, there's, I wouldn't think he's going to just screw me over. Like that's, I was starting to think that after I had given the deposit, like, cause he wouldn't contact me. Like I had no idea what was going on. There was no contract in my hand yet. So it was it was a little frustrating, and I finally just started figuring it all out on my own and calling around, seeing like what the heck was going on. And and he's hopefully that that guy's an anomaly, right? I mean, there's some top notch guide services out there that guys are really interested, like the guys I hunted Catalina with. Man, I mean, yeah. those guys are so interested in you having a full experience. Um, you know, and being able to take an animal and come back to tell about a successful hunt with, you know, with memories. And it was just a good group of guys. So hopefully he's just some freak anomaly. Yeah. And, and unfortunately, I, I guess in, in everything that we do, we're up against those kind of folks, man, that kind of, you know, unfortunately guys like that, you know, it's, it's the, the, uh, bad seed type thing right you know one one bad yeah. apple spoils a bunch it just sucks yeah i mean you're talking about someone like like you say having respect for like what we do i mean the guy used to work for the fishing game so someone that works for the fishing game and that advertises as an outfitter and wants to have the experience with the animal and the hunter for them to do that to you it just sucks so, so we got anybody listening that is thinking about a guided hunt and hears that they're going to go, Oh, 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 maybe not. But so <laughs> what, uh, so we can turn that around, uh, a little bit, what going through that experience, what did you learn and, and what advice could you give in, in respect to that? Um, I would definitely ask for someone I've, I've already booked a hunt that's guided for this year and I have no regrets doing it, but there was a little bit more, in not investigating, I guess just searching into it, like research on who you're going with um, versus just finding someone 
that you think is an outfitter, do the research and get information on before you actually give any money. Uh, I actually got referred to the place I'm going this year by a buddy of mine. And I know it's legit. He's hunted there. His wife has hunted there. And don't, don't not book your hunt, but just do the research before you do it. Because there's always people, I guess, that are out there trying to screw you over. I know of other people that booked a hunt in Texas for a pig hunt and every review online was a fake and he got there and there was no lodge like it advertised. And it was like a 150 acre piece of property. Oh, wow. Um, so just do your research before you give any money. Get get information from other people that have had the hunts with them. Talk to them on the phone. Don't just do it over email. Talk to them. Actually hear them talk about it because a lot of times you can tell if they're if they're legit. And I mean the places that I have the place I have booked for this year, um, it's it's legit. The guy hunts all over the place. He's a guide and I mean, I, I can't wait for that one. It's going to be a blast. But, but just, just be careful on what you're doing. Get paperwork up front, and like I say, just talk to them. Talk to them. Get reviews from people. Get not just like I say, not emails. Emails are a good way to track stuff. But or selfies with a contract that doesn't work. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I wouldn't. I wouldn't. Yeah, that doesn't. That doesn't work for me anymore. Like the place that I just booked with, I booked the hunt and before I even gave him money, he sent me the contracts and you do like the e-signature with him, you know? So I did the e-signature, printed it out, put in my envelope, sent him to him. He sent me a con- uh, confirmation as soon as my check was deposited. And then I have contracts back already. Oh, nice. So and that was all within, yeah, that was all within like 14 days. So it's a 180. So yeah, that, it's that, it's that bad apple, man. It, yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't, let's get a deposit. And then six months later, here's a, here's a contract that I took a picture of with me holding it. It was, it was a legit, a legit guide. So do they, do they provide you like references or anything like that when you're going through it? The ones that I just, the ones I just booked, it wasn't really, I looked into it a little bit, but my buddy Corey actually referred him to me. So I didn't spend the time, researching it as I would with someone I don't know. So I had the help of a friend who is more experienced than I am. And he's already hunted with him. Like I think three times. Oh, wow. And he's going back with him here in February. So I'm not, I'm not, I wasn't super worried about doing the research on that one. Not to say yeah. I make up for, you know, that bad <laughs> experience, but hopefully, yeah, not really hopefully somebody hears that and and can use that to their benefit, man, and not get taken. Yeah. I'm hoping I can get that money back before I go on this new hunt in Texas. So, (laughs) so 2019, man, how's that looking for hunts? What do you have planned? What's coming up? Um, I have my typical, uh, for deer. I will have my first tag starting in September. It's a Willamette. It's a Willamette tag, more or less. The Willamette unit is ninety nine point like seven private. There's barely any public of that of that unit. It's a draw, and then after that, I do have my general season deer for blacktails. I have some points for mule deer, but I'm not going to put in for anything because I'm having too much fun with the properties I have to hunt on right now. 
killing these bigger bucks. I also applied for my spring bear tag. So I've got, I've got about the same amount of tags in my pocket, but I'm also heading the beginning of October. I'm going to head to Montana for a later antelope hunt. I've never killed an antelope before. So my dad and I are both going on that hunt. So that'll be another road trip with my dad. He's never killed one. He used to put in a long time ago. Here in Oregon, you have to have about 16 points or so to draw a decent unit for antelope rifle. And then I will actually come back from that hunt for about a week, possibly hunt deer for a while. And then I leave for Texas the third week of October for an Audat hunt during the rut. That should be a blast. So I I hope so. I've always wanted to hunt an Audad. And that's that's the one that my buddy hooked me up with there in Texas. And I have chances I can either hunt on free range or there's a 22,000 acre high fence that the guy doesn't feed him or anything. They're just on the property. There's no feeders, anything like that. They don't care. So it's ha- high fenced. Yeah. 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 22,000 acres high fence. You might as well yeah. not have a fence. <laughs> well, that's just it. It's like, you can drive, you can drive for an hour and not get to the other side. Yeah. But so I have opportunity. I can hunt, we can hunt either one of those. We can hunt the free range or we can hunt the, the high fence. And I should draw back here in Oregon. I should draw my elk tag for rifle, which is over Hell's Canyon. And that would probably be my last tag for that year, unless I can figure something else out to squeeze in in the next couple of days in between those hunts. It's going to be a bit of, it's going to be a bit of running around. That's for sure. Yeah. Sounds like it sounds like fun, man. That antelope hunt, that should be a blast. Yeah. I'm excited for that one. I've, I've always wanted to hunt an antelope and I being able to do it with my dad again, that'll be, that'll be fun because he's always wanted to shoot one and it keeps him busy too. Cause I mean, he's, when I go out and hunt all this stuff, he, is a taxidermist, so he'll end up doing all my taxidermy work for oh, it. Wow. Nice, <laughs> man. Membership cool. has its privileges. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm sure he's. I'm sure he's super happy about all the stuff I kill. Does he charge you? <laughs> no, not really. I'll, I'll usually, I'll usually go out and help him out and sew some stuff up if he needs me to. But a lot of times he just, if you try to help him, he just kind of butts in and just does it himself because he wants it done. He he wants it done his way. That's how we are. Yeah. So, um, yeah, antelope, by, you know, antelope meat is delicious, man. That's some of the best oh, tasting yeah. game there so is. Good. Wow. I, I've heard both. I've heard both. Sometimes it's not, sometimes it is, but I feel like it's all in how you take care of stuff. Uh, that's oh, always what it amounts to. So know. good. <laughs> you know, and I've heard about muleys. Yeah. I've heard both things about Audad also about people not eating them. But then I get online and I talk to the guys that like, the, the mountain project and they say they taste really good but they're tough so be prepared to to chew on them for a while so i feel like i'm gonna take the chance and i'm gonna have all that meat processed and probably just sent back with me from texas because i mean i would rather away from texas man it's that's a long i mean for me see we're what do we figure we had figured that out we're something like 20 hours apart 22, yeah. So for me to get to like central Texas is like 22, 23 hours. So you're talking, you got a day and a half of driving at least. So I'm actually going to, because of all of my other hunts. So my antelope hunt is like the 6th through the 9th of October. Mm -hmm. And then I leave for 
Texas the 17th of October. So I've only got like a week in between. I'm actually going to fly to Texas and fly back. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, And the guy that I'm going with, the guide, he has lots of people that he recommends for processing right there, real close to the ranch. And he has no problem. He's like, I'll just take care of it. He's like, we'll, we'll drop it off there. You can go with me and drop it off. And I can have it processed however I want. I would rather have it processed there then try to get a cooler all taped shut full of dry ice on the plane. Right. Cause you're still going to pay for that money for shipping for weight. So why I'll, I'll just, I'll bite the bullet and I'm going to have someone process it there and then just mail it back to me. Have you hunted Texas before? I have not. Oh, it's going to blow your mind. Dude, <laughs> taxidermist and, and processing centers. Yeah. I mean, it is like, it's like liquor stores in in LA. It is unbelievable, yeah. <laughs> dude. Uh, I'm I'm super excited about it. Oh man, it's a trip. We so I haven't been. It's been quite a few years. But you go down and you hit some of these towns and they'll have banners across the road, man. Welcome hunters and you know, there's there's just it's next level. Especially going from California to Texas. I mean, it's just unreal. They're so welcoming. It's it's great, dude. And you got to stop and get all the local Texas barbecue eats. Oh, I'm sure that's good. Oh, man. (laughs) I want to say that after we fly into San Antonio, I think it's like a three-hour drive where we're hunting. So I'm actually, I'm meeting up with the guy there at the airport, and he's going to drive us to the ranch. Um, And the only bad thing about hunting that ranch is there's so much other stuff to shoot on it that I'm probably going to... I'm probably going to want to shoot other stuff. Yeah. You get spendy, man. Tell the, well, that's, that's just it. It's like, man, I don't know if I want to, but it's going to be really tempting when I'm there. It's going to be hard not to. Got to call the wife and get permission. I'm just going to say, Hey, there's a big old bill coming our way. <laughs> <laughs> I'll make, I'll make sure the credit cards paid off for that trip. So <laughs> I can make a couple of payments on it. Yeah. I mean, that's uh, <laughs> yeah. Texas is fun, man. I mean, outside of, Outside of the hunting, uh, it's a blast just to get down there. And I mean, Texas is Texas. There's no, the states that I've been in, there's no comparison to it. Uh, yeah. In terms of, you know, hey, this is Texas, USOB. <laughs> <laughs> you will be reminded where you're at. It's a blast, man. Good people. I'm pretty too. excited. Yeah, I'm excited crazy. to see what the terrain is like. And it, he said it's a lot of like rocky hills and stuff like that for the for the odd ad at least. So he said we'll probably get some hiking in because we're going for he tries to shoot thirty inches or bigger. So thirty inch odd ad's pretty good size. Um I'm pretty stoked. I'm excited about it. He said one of those big odd ad can weigh upwards of four hundred pounds. Yeah, they're man. they're big bodied, man. That's what I was saying when you said that that's a big animal. You know, yeah. That's don't realize it, but they're, they're healthy. They got oh yeah. I'm, a, I'm excited about it. I can't wait. Yeah, that's awesome, man. So one of the things that, uh, that we focus on and you know, that is the conservation, man. Um, and we don't do it to put anybody on the spot. Um, we don't do it to, you know, corner people and, you know, get people in line with, you know, how we view it, but what's your take on conservation? As far as harvest numbers? Well, anything. How, how, do you, how do you view it? I mean, how, you know, is it important to what we're doing? 
should we all be in some level of service with conservation as hunters, as outdoorsmen and women? Um, what's, you know, what's your take on it? I mean, I feel like we all should be respectful of all the wildlife. Um, I feel like, I feel like the conservation as far as taking out animals of the herd on private property versus the, the public is a little bit, I don't know if you'd say easy. It's not really easier, but you have the opportunity to weed out the really mature bucks versus everyone just shooting the legal fork and horn you see on public, I guess, because when I was hunting public a lot, if it had forks, I would shoot it. That's just, that's just how I was. I mean, that's how my, my family was. We would out and hunt. I mean, if you've seen a nice fork and horn, you would shoot it. So, I mean, you have the opportunity to weed out the more mature bucks that may not, I guess, be breeding more or you're not just shooting the smaller bucks. So they have a chance to get older. Um, I mean, as far as that conservation, I mean, I feel like, I feel like I try to do my part and I would, I would just say that it's with that, it's with that hunting, the more mature buck versus the younger deer. I'm giving the younger deers a, a chance, the younger deer a chance to get more mature and pass on their bloodlines, I guess. So, and I hear you, right? So I, I mean, several arguments are going to come from that one is a guy. Oh, I'm sure. Say, yeah. A guy's going to say, we well, are on private land and you know, it really doesn't matter. And like I said, it's not, we're not trying to put anybody on the spot with that question or that conservation quick. We just want to spawn the thought process um, and just constantly keep that going. Right. Because it's so important to protect not just our, our public land and wild places, but those herds that utilize that um, and they're crossing from public to private and, and back and forth. So the management of those areas um, and those resources is the reason that, you know, I always chop on that, man. So, you know, like I said, everybody sees it differently. Yeah, it, so. it's just it, it's different from for everyone. And that's a good point that Tony brings up is being able to hear everyone's view um, and the different yeah. you know perspectives of that is and, just, you know, it's an important thing that that we're just, you know. And it helps us out, on. too, because we get more information of like, oh, never yeah. about that. Yeah. Yeah. No, so. it's enlightening. Right. To hear somebody else's stance on it. So, you know, it's and I mean, there's conservation. There's conservation in in different ways too, I guess. I mean, whether you're doing your part in taking care of predators, shooting coyotes, or you're up cleaning up someone else's garbage after they went and shot a bunch of targets up in the hills, you're, you're either keeping your woods clean or you're helping with the predator problems. And I mean, I don't know about you, but every time I see a coyote, I shoot at it at least. (laughs) (laughs) I think most of us do, man. Yeah. I mean, a lot of that, like up in our woods here around my house, I mean, you'll go up there and there'll be TVs that are shot and they're just left behind. I mean, that's the reason a lot of the woods are getting closed down. Yeah. Well, we just had a thing here, man. They closed the uh, Los Padres national forest to target shooting because of that. Yeah. You know, guys are going out and, and I, I don't know for me, I I can't remember the last time I seen one of those big tube TVs. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So I'm not sure where guys are getting those from still. Um, But yeah, they're going out, they're shooting them glass everywhere. I've even seen a refrigerator. Yeah, uh, there's yeah. yeah, it's amazing. Um, and yeah, like I said, we we have a you know, they just closed a, a pretty large national forest to shooting, man. We lose the opportunity because of that crap. Yeah, that's all something that we need to take part in 
keeping these woods open for people that are hunting them and you can't just go up there and just trash everything and expect to have access to the property. Yep, that's it. I mean, that's that's, that's exactly why you don't have the access to it is the people that just go up and trash it, which I know it's not everybody, but, but it, it, goes it back sucks. To that apple. It goes back to that one yeah. SOB apple, man. Yep. <laughs> that's all it takes, yep. right? He goes out there and he's shooting. He's in love with shooting and he's up there every weekend and, you know, he has 10 tube TVs somehow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And they're all still sitting up there full of holes. Yeah. 5,000 rams. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. No, it, yeah. It's, it's frustrating. I mean, I don't know. I don't know where to, where to start with how to clean that up and how to get it stopped. Cause I don't think you'll ever get that to stop. But, yeah. That's a rough one, man. If we, you know, and, and again, that goes back to the point of me um, bringing that topic up all the time is, is we just want to keep that, that discussion going and open some eyes to it, man. And, you know, maybe some yeah. guy that's been doing that, didn't think nothing of it and you know he has a change of heart who knows chances are if you're doing that kind of stuff you change he ain't changing heart yeah. maybe he'll go, get uh, yeah. a flat, he'll go get a flat screen <laughs> or something <laughs> yeah so cool man anything we missed that you want to touch on or talk about man i don't know not that i can really think of all right tony you got anything uh, i just want to thank you uh for letting us uh get you on the podcast um had fun Got yeah, no, thank you. From you. Thank you. Thank you guys for having me on here. I know that I know that I'm just some small town guy that I mean, I'm, I'm basically just doing it for myself. I'm doing it just to have fun. And if people if people like what I put up, that's cool. But I'm not I'm not on here to make everybody else happy. Yeah, there you go. And, and that's, then, then that's what we we need to get those type of guys out here. Exactly. So that's why you guys are on. here. Yep. I mean, so and it's funny, right? Because we're new to this podcast thing and, and sure. you know, when you start looking at it, Oh, let's do this. Right. And you start going, you know, well, how are we going to get these, you know, how are we going to get these big guys on here? How are you going to get the guy that, you know, everybody's listening to. And that became less important. It's here in your story. And, you know, we, we were on with, uh, with Peter earlier and hearing his story, just the average everyday dude out, you know, just getting after it because he loves the experience yeah. and is passionate about hunting. I, I've enjoyed these conversations more than <laughs> I've enjoyed hearing some of the other podcasts with the bigger names, man. Yeah, you sure. Know, we get to hear, sure. you know, we get to hear the, the, I, I hate to belittle it, but the, uh, the little stories, right. The yeah. stuff that really makes the, the community at large. <laughs> right. I mean, yeah, well, it takes, it takes us on a different hunt every time we hear it too. Yeah. yeah. You know, oh, I'm sure. I'm sure it does. Not to say that I don't, I wouldn't like to have one of those big name guys on there. So big name guys, you know, line up, call me. Up. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, it's important, man, that we share the experience across the demographic, man. It, it just, it's a big deal. And I, you know, like I said, I looked at your page and I was like, damn, look at all this. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm hoping I can do it again this year, but it's not going to, I don't think it's going to be as big as last. Yeah. That was a pretty big deal, man. We're pulling for you though, bro. Yeah. I'm excited. Well, I'll definitely keep you updated. Yeah, good deal, man. Well, again, we appreciate the time. Yeah, thanks. And uh, we'll be in touch, man. You have a great one. Awesome. Thank you again. Uh, Yeah, thank you guys. Have a good one. You can catch up with Ryan on Instagram at Level2Hunt. Thank you for listening. 
Follow and tag us on Instagram at Western Contours. Jump on iTunes, Google Play, and Podbean. Subscribe, leave us a comment, and don't forget to hit that five-star rating. We appreciate the support, and until next time, lay them down. Hi, this is Weston Jenkins with Disabled Outdoorsman, the founder of an organization where we choose and let individuals come in the outdoors. We have many people across the nation that refuse to give up, and our brand is going to represent them, and now you can too. You can go to our website at www.disabledoutdoorsman.com, or you can find us on Instagram at DisabledOutdoorsmanUSA. We want you to be a part of the cause with us, and let's make a difference one day at a time.